Good morning. I'm just going to start going into the message. The bad thing with being a public speaker is it's easier to come up and just make commentary on everything that's already taken place. I'm not going to do it. Um, this series has been built on one verse. A, a, just a statement that Jesus made. We'll put it up in, in, in a moment. Um, John 6.63. And, and it's actually been the outline, it actually been the controlled the outline of, of where we've been. Um, and this is the third part of that verse, actually, that, that will spark today's message. Um, it, it, the verse starts with this, it's the spirit who gives life. And in message one, we talked about the activation of the spirit life. We're talking about our spiritual life um, as Christians, okay, as believers, um, I, I love the way that the Lord has shaped this, this message and this series because it's giving us sort of like a 30,000-foot a view of, of this faith that we have, uh, of, of Christ, the Christian walk that we're involved in. It's, it's not giving a lot of specific minor details, but it's giving a great broad picture of this thing that we're involved in. But I hopefully there's, there's been some instruction and in, in content along the way as well. But it's the spirit who gives us life. That's activation of the spirit life. The, our spirit has been rebirthed by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Anybody in the room saved? Anybody in the room love Jesus? Going to heaven, all that good stuff? That's because the Holy Spirit has activated your spirit. Your spirit that because of sin was, was dead. That's the... Best theologians can come up with to ex- ex- describe it, okay? And, and you are now uh, living with a reborn spirit, and you have a soul, and you live in a body. And, and that was the essence and concept of the first message. Then, then the verse goes on. It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Everybody says, amen, right? Have you learned that in life? Your flesh is no help at all. It's not, not a little help. It's, not, it's no help at all. We're, that talks about the conflict in the spirit life. Okay, we, we have the activation of, then we have, there's a conflict in our spirit walk. And the, the problem is, it's not external. It's in us. And it's in every one of us. We all have flesh. I'm sorry. And not talking about physicality. We all have remnants, residue of an old life. We all have opinions that come from within our own being that are contrary to the life that God has given to us. And, and I, I don't know, have you ever been conflicted about what to do in life? Do you ever feel like you're between these two influences or two voices screaming at you that, no, let's do it this way, no, let's do it this way, that, that's... That's the conflict we're talking about. It's, it's the spirit man who's now alive inside of you, learning to control and dominate life, and the, the old life that your soul was used to living, to, living, living by and listening to, saying, no, I don't want to give up. I still want my way. And it creates real conflict sometimes. And, and, and it's a reality that we have to know and understand and deal with. Today, final, the final message, um, we're going to look at the last part of that verse. The spirit gives life, the flesh is no help. 
Jesus is talking, by the way. The words that I've spoken to you, their spirit and their life. So today we're going to talk about maturation for the spirit life. How, how, do we, how do we grow up in this thing? I've titled the message, The Next Step, because there's always a next step in, this, in a walk. You know, if you're taking a walk, there's a next step, right? And if we're walking with Jesus, there's always a next step. And it doesn't matter who you are or how long you've walked or haven't walked with Jesus. If you're walking with Jesus, there's a next step. There's, there's always, the Bible says our steps are ordered by the Lord. So there's always a next step that we're to be understanding, striving for, moving towards. The Christian faith is never static. We're not made to be still. It's dynamic. It's, it's growing. It's active. It's animated. It's, it's a living thing. And, and we, we should every day do our best to stay right in pace, right in cadence with the direction of the Lord and the walk that God has us on with him. Um, so I want you in our time together to be thinking about what, what's my next step? What's, what's my next step in my walk with the Lord, in, in life the way it is now? What's, what's my next step? So, and this is the practical message of the three. This is just the nuts and bolts kind of one. This is one that, I don't know, you may not, you may not feel like saying hallelujah a lot of times. or Amen. Um, I, we'll find out. But it's an important one. It's, it's, it's a vital one. Um, what, what does this spirit life look like? In real time, what's it look like day to day? What's it look like not here? What's it look like Monday, and Wednesday? What's it look like on the job, at the school? What's it really look like? And, and how do we do this thing in a very real way? Springboard for our conversation is taken from 1 Timothy. You know, Timothy is the Apostle Paul's um, protege. He's, he's poured his life into Timothy. Um, and, and Timothy is growing into his great church leader. Um, he, he's writing to him in, in the first, 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Paul writes this to Timothy. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while body, bodily training is of some value, godliness is a value of every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Paul's telling Timothy something important for us today, too, that, that following Jesus isn't just a free-for-all. It, it's not a make-it-up-as-you-go. There's actually order and structure that comes along with, with this, this wonderful new life that we have. Um, and that, that you have a part to play. We've talked a lot about what the Holy Spirit has done. But you have a part and role to play in your own spirit walk. You know that, right? You have to bring something to the table as well. Um, it, it, the, the Lord will always do his part. I promise you that. He will always do his part. But we have to bring ourselves to it as well. We, we have to bring something to the table. There's, there's a daily investment that we have to make. There, there are things that we have to instill into our lives as, as rhythms and routines of how we live and operate in our lives. Timothy says, he tells Timothy, he said, listen, physical exercise is, is a good thing. It has some value. But spiritual exercise, spiritual training, spiritual discipline has eternal value. 
has, has even greater value. And he's trying to put a priority in, in our understanding. So I want to talk today about spiritual disciplines. It's not something ever, anyone ever goes out of their way to learn about. It's not something we ever you know, get all excited about. Oh, next Sunday they're going to talk about spiritual disciplines. I've got to make sure I'm sick. And not, but not discipline in the sense of punishment or correction. Okay, we're not talking about that kind of discipline. We're talking about spiritual disciplines. We're talking about a lifestyle. We're talking about um, the training, the retraining. We're talking about the instruction. We're talking about the the exercise or the practice of this spirit life that God's given to us. What what are the practices? That we, that we do, that we include, that we involve, that we add to our life on a, on a regular daily basis that builds this walk, that makes our walk with Jesus dynamic and active and alive and growing and thriving and increasing on a regular basis. Paul says, train yourself. Notice he didn't say, let the Holy Spirit train you. He says, train yourself. The... the now, I'm all, I'm all for experiencing God. I, I want to encounter God. I want to sense his presence. I want to be in places and around him when at times there's just, there's just this sense of holiness and awe and wonder. And, and I, I want those moments where he, he touches me in, in such a special, unique way. I, I want experientially to, to feel my faith. But listen, we have to know our faith as well. Experience is a wonderful thing, but there's also a commitment side of this spirit life. There's also a commitment side of our our walk with Jesus. And we're going to talk about that today. And the the verse also tells us that that this discipline has a target. How, How do I know? If I'm really walking a disciplined life in the Lord, with the Lord, how do I, how can I tell that? Well, he he says, train yourself in godliness. There's a fruit that comes out of it. Godliness. That's the goal. Why why give myself to spiritual disciplines? Because it's the only way to become more godly. Christ-like. It's, it's the only way we can become more and more like Jesus. So there's a daily practice of things called spiritual disciplines that we have to give ourselves to. And I'm a little cautious in, in, in bringing this message for a couple of reasons. I don't want you to hear anything that sounds or is intended, because it's not, as legalism. I, I don't want you to hear just, oh, here's a whole bunch of things to do and don't do and 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 otherwise, you know, you're just not a Christian. Don't hear that, all right? If you hear it, just tell yourself, oh, I'm hearing it wrong. <laughs> or he's not saying, saying it clear enough, because that is, that is not the intent. Spiritual disciplines are not the path to salvation. Spiritual disciplines will not lead you to salvation. So, so don't hear that. And don't hear that your that salvation depends on the, the proper performance of these spiritual disciplines or the proper implementation of these disciplines. Don't hear that because that's not what I'm saying and it's not, I don't believe what the word teaches. Our salvation stands alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, period. 
period, all right? But, but we also know that, that that initiates something in the spirit, right? We now have spirit life. We now have a, a living spirit alive to God. The Holy Spirit now has taken up residency in us. And that means something. So at the same time, I don't want you to minimize or dismiss this message as, as non-essential or, or less than important because salvation brings us spirit life, but this new life needs a new lifestyle. Yeah. This new walk needs a new worldview. Right? This, as, as a new creation, we need a new curriculum. We have to live a different way. If you come to faith in Christ and you're still walking and living the way you did before coming to Christ, I would question what took place. I would wonder about that decision that you made. I can't judge it. That's up to the Lord. But it would make me, it would make me just curious. So that's where we're going today. That's where we are. Just foundation. Father, here we are as your people. Holy Spirit, would you teach us today? Would you lead this time, anoint this time, bless this time, use this time? First for your glory. And, and then, Lord, help us all to, to just understand a little bit more about you. And, and, and help us all to be challenged in our walk with you. This wonderful, glorious, beautiful, eternal walk that you've given to us. What a privilege and an honor to sit in this place today as children of God. Lord, draw us closer to yourself today. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. So I, I want to first just, just talk about spiritual disciplines. Right? You ever go to a website, there's always up on the navigation bar, there's always an, an about, you know, and you click, and, and this, this drop-down list comes, right? And, and whatever website you're on, it'll, it'll talk about things like their mission statement or their history or their leadership. or It's, it's introductory. Um, foundational kinds of things that they want you to know. Well, that, I want to do that today in as far as spiritual disciplines. I have, I have some statements I want to give you. They're in no specific or particular order, but, but they're about spiritual disciplines. They're things that we need to know um, in our walk with the Lord, things we need to, some, some of them you already know. Some of you already have operating and instilled in your life. Some of them may need a little refreshing. Some of them may be brand new for some of us. I, I'm not sure, but we're going to just work through the list, okay? The first one is this. Spiritual disciplines are how we grow in godliness. Remember, godliness is the goal. Spiritual disciplines are how we grow in godliness. Um, they're the tools that, that we have at our disposal to move us more towards Jesus, to, to help the process unfold in our lives. Don Whitney wrote a great book on spiritual discipline, says that spiritual disciplines are the means by which we seek intimacy with and conformity to Jesus Christ. The means by which we seek intimacy with and conformity to Jesus Christ. Intimacy, intimacy with, experience, conformity to, commitment. Okay, there, there's a balance in those two, um, both vital, both need to be plugged in. A lot of times, depending upon our personality type, we lean in one direction or the other. We, we naturally emphasize one side of that or one dimension of our walk with Jesus on, on the experiential side or the, the committal side. And, and the reality is both 
are very important. Again, I'm going to reiterate, spiritual disciplines are not for salvation, but they are very much for sanctification. They're very much involved in the process of helping us make that transition from an old life into a new life that's going to lead us to um, an eternal life with Christ. Um, You can't experience your way to Christ-likeness. You can't feel your way to holiness. As much as experience is a part of the Christian journey, there, there are limitations to it as well. And I'm not against experience. I've already told you that. But we also need to know him covenantally. See, a covenant is a relationship. A relationship is a commitment. Everyone agree with that statement? Anyone have problems with that statement? When, when you stood, if you're married, you stood before um, an altar and you said, and you said, I do. All right, now, one of the things that you've learned, if you've been more, married more than six and a half seconds, one of the things that you've learned is that it's, it's okay, because marriage is an experiential thing. But if you want it to be a good experience, you're going to walk out the commitment. Amen? You're going to do the commitment side of it. Because the experiential side is wonderful and great, but it's not going to get you to the finish line by itself. There's both dimensions in our walk with Jesus. We have to walk out intimacy with him, but we have to also walk out conformity to who he is and our lives being surrendered to becoming who he is more and more on a daily basis. All right, number two, spiritual disciplines are things we do, but they're formed by who we are in Christ. They're things we do, but formed by who we are in Christ. I've already said you are a redeemed spirit with a soul living in a body. That, that places you, that statement, if that statement is true about your life, that places you, what the Bible says, is in Christ, in relationship with Jesus. It, it places you in Christ. Uh, And the Bible has a lot to say about who you are in Christ, about your identity in Christ. I took about 30 seconds, and and these are the ones I jotted down, and it's far, far from an exhaustive list of what the Bible says about who you are. First of all, you're an image bearer. The great Imago Dei is reactivated in your life. You're saved. You're redeemed. You're forgiven. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're his child. You're your heirs um, of the kingdom. Join heirs with Christ. You're chosen. You're elect. You're his temple. You're his people. You're his body. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're foreknown. You're more than a conqueror. You're citizen of heaven. You're eternal. You're seated with Christ. Loved by God. You're gifted. And the list goes on and on and on and on about who you are in Jesus Christ. Listen to this statement. Any spiritual activity not rooted in our identity in Christ turns our faith into a works-based religion. And that's, that's a big statement. And it's, it's a caution for all of us because it's easy to do. It's easy to just do spiritual activity, but without the understanding or the proper reasoning of why we're doing it and what the purpose of it is, and what that activity can do in us. Not just doing something 
to get applause or to help someone else out, but what it can work in us if we're understanding it properly, if identity in Christ is our motivation. If our, listen, you can do spiritual de- uh, disciplines and you take identity out of the foundation, away from the foundation, and it's just a work of the flesh. It may be a nice work. It may be a good work. It may be a work that you get applauded for, but it's still just the arm of flesh. Your flesh can do good things too. Your flesh can do nice things too. But if we're doing it out of, out of meriting, out of earning, out of gaining something, it's a work of the flesh. If we're doing it because we're, our lives are surrendered to Christ and we pray about everything. And so now when we give ourselves to spiritual activity, it's because we really believe that it's something the Lord would have us do and would, has maybe even given us to do. That changes everything. Changes the whole purpose and dynamic of what it is we're doing. You know, there's, there's a mentality that sometimes we have to correct in our thing. We think that, that um, well, we just live by grace. What? Man, don't, don't talk about discipline. Don't talk about regulations. Don't talk about things that we're expected to do or add. What, this is, it's all grace, man. It's just, I just, it's just grace. That's, that's all it is. And so we don't even, we're just wasting our time today. Because, can I tell you something? And it's it, good for you to know. Grace is against earning. Okay? You can't earn anything in the kingdom of God. You can't earn your salvation. You can't earn his love. You can't earn his acceptance. You can't earn your belonging into the family of God. You can't do that because that's not what grace is. And that's not what grace does. And grace does not support earning. But grace is very much a proponent of effort. Grace believes in effort. Grace believes that your life in Christ You bring your whole life to it. You give your whole life to it. You live your whole life because of it. Grace applauds that. Grace comes alongside and says, oh yeah, and I'm going to be right there to help you do it. Very important. Number three, spiritual disciplines are evidence of membership. Evidence of membership. See, at salvation, you join something. At salvation, you actually, probably a better statement is you joined with somebody. All right? But when we talk about membership, we can't think of it in terms of, of the, the health club or Costco. I love Costco. I don't know why I said that. Because this membership isn't, isn't outside of you. It's not external. And, and it's not occasional. You know, you, you, you can belong to a health club, but you don't live there. You don't go there every day. And if you do, you're not there all day. You know, I, I, I like Costco, but I don't go there all the time. I go occasionally. I go when it suits me. I go when there's something that I think is beneficial for me. All right, that, you can't think of membership in those terms. It's more like this. Think about the membership that your arm has with your body. It's that kind of a membership. See, Jesus isn't somebody we're associated with. He's somebody we're attached to. Yeah. 
Big difference. Big difference. We're not, today as we sit here, you're not a consumer in church. You're a component in his body. Everyone, every part a member. Every part, ultimately, extremely valuable. Every part. The church, the Bible calls the church the body of Christ. We belong to him. And as individual members, that means we're part of the same body. That means we're also connected to one another. It's a beautiful picture. And it's a great reality when we walk in it properly. When we understand it and enact it. It's a, the family of God. You know, there's an old thing that says you can pick your friends, but family you're stuck with. Haha, <laughs> look around the room, sorry. Wheeze it. Spiritual disciplines are evidence that you're part of this thing, that you belong to this thing, because you're connected to it, you're attached to it, you're living as a part of it. Okay? Number four spiritual disciplines are the only bridge to maturation. They're the only bridge to maturation. Spiritual growth isn't dependent on the clock or the calendar. No, no more than you can mature relationally or occupationally or educationally or professionally based on simply length of time. Neither is that true about spiritual disciplines. I went to sixth grade. I think I told this story once a long time ago. I went to sixth grade with a guy. His name was Vinny Ferraro. He was 16 years old in sixth grade. We were scared to death of him. He had his driver's license. He shaved before he came to elementary school. Everybody wanted him on their kickball team. But that was before you know, there was any kind of rules or guidance, at least in the Pennsylvania system, where if you got to be a, you just could age out of a grade. And as far as I know, he's still in sixth grade. I don't know. He's totally possible. Spiritual discipline, spiritual growth doesn't happen just because time goes by. And we know that, right? But, but sometimes we have to be reminded. Paul writes to, to the Ephesians, he says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's the metric that we use. How spiritual are you? How grown up are you? Well, how's Christ look? And how do I look compared to him? And how do I look compared to him to compare to how I looked compared to him a year ago? That's how we measure. The danger side of that is I could, I could be at a place in my life and I could look back and I could maybe even find a time when I was more in touch with Jesus. It's not only a matter that you could just stay at one level or one age, if you would, but you could actually digress. I could actually be more infantile than I was at some other point in time in my walk with him. That's a scary thought. So we need to understand that, that Christ-likeness is the goal and that this spirit, these spiritual disciplines are, are to be increasingly, progressively, continuously, and intentionally 
advancing our walk with him. That's, that's their purpose. So in other words, it means when you get up and look in your mirror in the morning, if you don't see Jesus shining back, you ain't done. There's still a ways to go. There's still more to learn. There's still more to know. There's still more to experience in your walk with him. Number five, spiritual disciplines incorporate your entire life. There's a present philosophy or thinking that has permeated our, our society. It's not new. It's a, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, right? It's a, it's a recycling of old philosophies. They, they just come repackaged. But, but the thinking sort of goes like this, that, that you can live your life any way you want and, and have no moral or ethical contradictions in how you live that life. And the way you do that is you just take your life and, and you slice and dice it. You, you divide it up into a bunch of different little columns. So you have your married life, you got your work life, you got your church life, you got your financial life, you got your social life, you got and each column has its own set of rules and beliefs and values. And so as long as you're operating in that category of life, you can say and do and whatever you want to do according to those rules. And then if you step out of that and now you're over here, what, what normally would be, what logically would say, well, if I do something different than that, there's a contradiction. They say, no, there's no contradiction. And they're able to live their lives f- ignorantly thinking, there's no contradictions in my life. I can, I can sing and raise my hands and love and cry before Jesus and, and enjoy him. And then on... on you know, Wednesday night after work, I can still go out with the guys and I can, I can use some language and I can talk about girls and I can, you know, participate in some things. And, and no contradiction because the rules are different. Can I tell you something about folks who try to live their lives that way? It's not about the lacking contradiction in their life. It's about lacking character. You, you have one life. And it all belongs to God. Whatever the rules are here are the rules tomorrow. Whatever the rules are, how we interact with one another, that's how you interact with your family. Whatever the rules are, whatever those are in your life, be consistent. Just just be consistent. Okay? And God will clean up the parts that maybe need some work and all that. Trust him for that. But be consistent. You have one life. Be the same person everywhere you are. Be you everywhere you are. That's the best thing you do for your walk with the Lord. And that's the best thing you do with all the people in your life. You have one life. The world deceives. The Bible's true. Number six. Spiritual disciplines are the legs your spirit life walks on. Your former life, even though it would make you, would try to convince you otherwise, your former life isn't equipped to support the weight of a spirit life. Your old nature lies. It doesn't know what it wants you to believe that it knows. It can't handle and it can't support the weight and the gravity of this life that you now have with the person of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus told people at one point in time, he said, yeah, you, you worship me with your lips, but your heart's far from me. See, they wanted the wonder of, of the works of Christ, but they didn't want the work of covenant. They wanted the, the stuff that felt good, sounded good, pleased them, but they didn't want to do the, the daily work. There was a time where Jesus started talking and teaching about the cost of discipleship, what this thing was really going to look like in, in real time. And it said that from that moment, many followed him no more. To the point where he had to go to his, his 12, right, and say, you guys checking out? You guys leaving me too? Because now there's, there's this understanding that Oh, it's, it's not all just designed to make me feel good. That there's really, he really expects something of my life, that I give something back to him. Yeah, yeah, he does. See, spirit life without spiritual disciplines becomes what the Bible calls a form of godliness without, and with no power. That, that's what happens. Spiritual disciplines... Do, digress, they, they distort, they disintegrate. We know the group of folks in the Bible called Pharisees. They had spiritual disciplines down to a fine art. They really did. They, they, knew, they knew the word of God. They knew the scripture, Old Testament, but they knew it. M- many of them had volumes of it memorized. They were students of the law and gave themselves to really try to intentionally daily live up to the letter of the law in every way that they possibly could. These folks, if we brought them into churches today, we would applaud them. We would say, those those are spiritual giants. Those those guys, man, they've got it together. I mean, them and God must be so close. Except Jesus comes along and he says to his followers, you know, Your righteousness needs to exceed that of the Pharisees and scribes. Because their righteousness was built on the righteousness of the law. Jesus comes and he's talking about the righteousness of our heart. It's a world of difference. It's not about obeying laws. It's about surrendering a life to the person of Jesus Christ and walking that out each and every day. See, salvation gives us a foundation. We have, our lives are built on, planted on a rock. Jesus Christ, the rock. Spiritual disciplines give us the, the knowledge and the understanding to stand on that rock every day, to work it out. Doesn't the Bible say that? Work out your salvation? To, to work it out. Spiritual disciplines are designed for that. Number seven is the last one. Spiritual disciplines require physical effort. See, these disciplines won't only affect your soul and spirit, not just that interchange, but it will put a demand on your physicality. They they will include that you incorporate your body into the whole process. Because everything we do is in our body. Romans 12, right? Present your, not your spirit, not your soul, present your bodies. 
a living sacrifice. Because wherever your body is, the rest of you is there. You're all there. You, you can't be beside yourself. <laughs> all right? And, and so your body has to be a part of this thing. Your body has to learn to facilitate this new life that's come alive inside of you. The Bible says your, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Where's the Spirit of God live? In your body. Can I point to exactly where? No, I can't. Does it show up on an MRI? No, it won't. But he's there. In your body. So, so these spiritual disciplines, if we're going to import them and apply them, and apply them to life, they're going to affect how you live, even physically, in, in the natural. There's this process that Ephesians talks about, about we, we need to take off certain things and put on other things in making this transition from old life to new life, the spirit of God growing inside of us. In order for that to happen, our body has to be a part of it. You know, you, 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 you've got to spend time daily with Jesus. You can't do that if your body don't show up. And sometimes your body doesn't want to be still. Sometimes your body would rather go play. Right? You, you've, got, you've got to go to church. That's not popular today to say that. I'm sorry. But I'm preaching to the choir. You've got to go to church. I know it's not, right now, it's like, supposedly that's not trendy. You know, and, and there's still, COVID really changed a lot for a lot of people. But I'll take, I love you. If you watch this thing online, you're not here today, or you're watching today, or you pick it up with some other, I love you, but go to church. Listen, there was a time where we didn't, and I, and I went along with that because it was necessary, all right? We're not going to go down that, that rabbit hole. But here's what I've noticed. People are living life fully as much as they did before those 18 months or two years of COVID. They're, they're doing everything they did before they're doing now, but not going to church. I don't understand that. Because God's word still says, don't forsake. Don't give up. This. Don't give up going to church. So I give everybody an invitation back. And if you're unchurched and you've never been here, we invite you to come and be a part of. Or if you were a part of this church and for whatever reason, go to church somewhere. You need, remember you're attached to the body of Christ. So you got to be with the body of Christ. You got to do life with the body of Christ. That's enough now that I made everybody upset or mad. But you're... Your body has corporate worship. Your body's got to be a part of that. And that's a stretch for a lot of times. You know? We're very animated in life, but then we come to worship settings and, and suddenly everything seems to have to be very stoic and very... And, and I'm not a, saying that is not real or genuine or that your heart's not fully connected. I'm not, I make no judgment of that. But I would say this, and it's just a process that I've had to work through in my life. And maybe it only applies to me. 
So I'm just sharing. It's more testimonial maybe than instructive. All right? There were times where the Holy Spirit would nudge me and say, who do you want to please? In this moment, in this time of worship, in this setting, who, who are you out to please? Are you out to please yourself? Are you out to please others, worried about what others may be doing, not doing, thinking? If, or is, is your worship really for my pleasure, for my glory? And so that's when, you know, you, you have those kinds of moments and you say, okay. <laughs> you know, nobody starts big. But I had to answer that question. And still today, I challenge myself with this. God, what will pleasure you? If somehow it pleasures you that I clap my hands, I'm clapping my hands. If it pleasures you, I raise it. If it pleasures you that I, that I kneel, I can't, I have to subject my body. Just like my soul has to please the Lord, so does my body. I'm just saying, don't put limits. Why should we limit our worship to the Lord? And if we design our worship just to please how it feels best to us, that's just tradition. Really. And if you're one who likes to move, sometimes I think you need to learn to stand still. And just say, God, it's just you and me. I don't, I don't have to move. Just do a work inside me, deep inside of me. And if you're the one that does this every now and then, you need to just sway a little bit. Just, just try it. You never know. The heart. We're talking about a heart condition. We're not talking about legalism, right? We're talking about a heart condition, a heart that's open, saying, God, how can I pleasure you in my worship? How can I please you more in my worship? We have to bring our body to this thing. Listen, your soul can't embrace what your body won't facilitate. It's, it's just that simple. Hebrews 12 says this, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That pretty much says all that we need to know today. That spiritual disciplines are vitally important. And they're difficult. And they're awkward sometimes. But can I tell you something? They're only hard and they're only awkward until they're not. Really. Use of them will become natural. Not at the first, but they will become natural. Okay, I got to land this plane. We're talking about spiritual disciplines. What are they? All right, I, this is not an exhaustive list, but there there's, should be a chart showing up behind you um, about specifically some of the spiritual disciplines and give you an idea. First of all, there's, there's personal disciplines and they come in the form of internal and and external. All right, I'll, I'll tell you now, if, if you're at home, I hope, hopefully that's on your screen, on your television. If you're here in the room, take a picture. Take a picture with your phone. If you don't like to do that, there are some copies on the table that you can pick up on your way out, okay? Again, not an exhaustive list, but it gives you a good sampling of, of the kinds of things we're talking about. External and internal disciplines, and then corporate disciplines, there's things that we have to learn together, things that we have to do together. So 
take a picture, take them home with you so you can spend some time thinking about them. I, I, I will say this, and I believe it with all my heart. These disciplines, as we instill them and move and operate in them in our lives, they're sufficient for godliness. Remember, that's the goal. The goal is that we become more and more and more like Christ. They're sufficient. They will produce the life of Christ in you as you incorporate them into your walk with Jesus. It's, 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 it's through these disciplines that we abide in Christ. Remember, was it Luke, Luke John, John 15? I always get John 15 and Luke 15 reversed. Talks about the vine and the branches. If you abide in me and I'll abide in you. This is how it happens. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this the Father is glorified and you'll bear much fruit and you'll prove to be my disciples. How? By abiding through the spiritual disciplines. That's, that's how it happens. That's the way we abide in Christ. It's the only way to stay full. The, the Bible says stay filled with the Spirit of God. Well, how do we stay filled with the Spirit of God? Through these disciplines. Because the reality is this. You can be all filled up on Sunday and you leak on Monday. It's just a reality. We, we lose our charge um, over time. You know, it's sort of like your, your phone and, and the, the, the plug in your wall. That, that wall plug is connected to the international power grid. Everything, all the power and strength you need is right there, but you, put, you can slam your phone against it all day long and nothing's going to happen. But if you got the right cable, your phone stays alive. It gets filled again, right? That's what the disciplines are. They're to keep you filled with the power that you need to live this life because this life is draining this life is depleting to live out in the world. To, to my Lord, just to watch the news or listen to the news drains you sometimes. We need to be charged. Don't lose heart. Though your outer self is wasting away, your inner self is being renewed day by day. Catch that day by day. How am I being renewed day by day? Through these disciplines plugged into your life. For whatever reason, God is God, so he does things the way he wants to do them. But when he saved us, he didn't fully sanctify us. Unless you're different than most people I know. We are not perfected yet. And it's, it's by his design. He could have set it up to work any way he wanted to. He could have set it up to work the moment you gave your heart to him. You went to heaven. I would have preferred that. But he set it up where he saves you completely, but then there's this walk with him of sanctification. And that's what the, these disciplines are for. We're spiritually dependent on him daily by his design. That's why we need to be renewed daily because we're, we're weakened by living in this life. We're weakened, and if, if we don't plug in every day, how, how long can you let your phone go without charging it? And if your phone dies, life stops, doesn't it? Which is another whole thing that irks me. Daily. Isn't it interesting the Bible says that we need his mercy new every morning. He didn't give you mercy for your lifetime. He did, but you're not going to know it. 
You're only going to know his mercy one day at a time. Your steps are ordered, but he's only going to walk you through it one step at a time. That's, that's his design. And we need to learn that, that every day we've got to plug in. Listen, yesterday's grace and experience in Christ was wonderful, has little value today. And you can't borrow against tomorrow's grace. All you've got is this, this day. And you use it or you lose it. Amen? Amen. Spiritual disciplines. Are they difficult? Yes. Yes. But only till they're not. They're only awkward until they're not. Are, are, are they countercultural? A- absolutely. Is this a different way to walk and to live? Absolutely. Are you going to be a little different from everybody else you go to school with or go to work? Absolutely. I'm, I just got to tell you the truth, right? I'm not going to do a bait and switch. Yes, you will be different. That's not a bad thing. That's actually a very, very good thing. But sometimes it's that thing that keeps us from really moving ahead in Christ because we don't want to be different. We want to fit into everything. We want to be considered cool and a part of. That can be counterproductive. The Trying to still fit your old life into your new life will never work. It, it just won't fit. But, but this, this life is, is countercultural to the present culture around us. In fact, it won't even make sense. The spiritual disciplines are not intuitive unless that your spirit's alive. It, it just won't make sense. How do you, how do you invest or how do you get more time by investing time? I, I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. If I need more time, my life is so full, my life is so busy, things, there's so many demands on my life, and now, Pastor, you're saying I need to take done, and I need to find time every day to pray and to read my Bible every day. And I need to find time to just sit before the pre- in the presence of the Lord. And, I need to, and I'm already... St. Francis de Sales is quoted as saying this. Every one of us needs a half an hour a prayer a day, except when we're really busy, then we need an hour. <laughs> now, if, you're, if your spirit man's alive, you understand that. Out there, doesn't make a lot of sense. How can you get, how can you get your finances in better shape by giving away 10% off the top? How do you find life by losing your life? How do you love people who hate you? How do you move forward by waiting? See, there's things that just don't make sense in the natural. But, but they, they make sense in the spirit. And the spiritual disciplines release that reality, and that truth, and those benefits in your life. The Bible tells us in Corinthians, the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. That means man at his best is just still foolishness to God. God picks up there and goes forward. And he'll take us with him. How? Through spiritual disciplines. Is there another way to grow in godliness? No. No. Don't take three pills and call me in the morning. No, there's not. These disciplines are sufficient for godliness. Here's the good news. His divine power has granted you. I love that that's past tense. 
has granted to, all, to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. We grow through the knowledge of him who has called us. We grow into life, his life, and godliness, his character, his nature, more and more through these spiritual disciplines that are sufficient. They're sufficient. They really will work. That's what that means. Stand with me, won't you? So, so just to, to wrap it up, what, what's this message mean for us today? What's it mean for you today? I'm, I'm going to make an assumption. And my assumption is that none of us are walking perfectly with Jesus yet. That none of us are Christ-like all the time. Yes, there's moments that you've had where you just got it right. And you know you got it right. Hey, way to go. But there's other times still where we don't get it quite right, isn't there? So, so I'm making that assumption that really isn't much of an assumption. I, I believe it's really to be fact. The purpose of this message is to do one thing. And that's to encourage you to know and to reach for more. That's it. To reach for more. Now, in our closing time, I want you to spend a moment just, just meditating the Lord's present and asking him, what does that more look like for you? In your walk with Jesus today, right now, what does that more look like? What, what does that next step look like? What should it be? What can it be? And that's something no one can dictate to you. No one can tell you that except the Holy Spirit who's alive in you. What, what is the more? For, for some of you, it might be, more might mean addition. It, it, you you've, haven't explored some of the disciplines that even we've, we've looked at today. That, that you you want to expand your life with Christ? Maybe, maybe it's to explore some of these disciplines. And, and, and not all of them at one time, but, but some one of them. Maybe, maybe a certain one just sort of stands out to you and say, Lord, you know what? When we spend time together, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add that. I'm going to add that. Maybe it means just, if what you are doing, just adding a little more to it. For some of you, it might, more might mean quantity. You may have some of these disciplines in place, but, but minimally so. Or they're inconsistent. They're not daily. They're not regular. They're not something that's, that's habitual. They're not something so instilled in you that, boy, if you miss that, you miss it. And, and you may need to, to add quantity into your life. Bring greater import and focus to some parts of these. More may be, for you, maybe quality. A, a, a need to, to go deeper or to expand. You have a lot of these disciplines are, are established in you and you're faithful at them and they, and they produced fruit. But if you look at them, you also might have to admit that they're also fixed. My, my devotional life, my life with Jesus, my walk with Jesus is pretty much the same as it was five years ago. 
still genuine, still real, still wonderful, but I, I haven't really deepened anything. I, I haven't added to or expanded or enlarged. Nothing's, nothing has changed in those areas. I've always had a prayer life. I pray every day and I spend time with the Lord. But, but maybe the Lord would also challenge you to, to go deeper. Have you ever explored all the different kinds of prayer? There's at least a dozen of them that could be incorporated into prayer life. Have you ever thought taking a personal prayer retreat? 24 hours, go away, 24 hours. You and your Bible and the Lord, just talking. See, go, going deeper, the quality. You, you love to pray for, or, and even maybe even financially support missions. That's great. But I wonder if you could go deeper. Maybe there's a, a person in your life, a family member, a neighbor, a friend, you could target and say, God, if you'll grace me, I'm going to plant seed in their life. They, they've just become my mission. And I'm just going to keep planting good seed in their life. And now you have your hands involved in mission work. You, you, quality, going deeper. For some, it, more might mean return. There, there could be some who just feel today, if they were honest, they'd say, I'm they're, they're distanced from God. There's other times in their life they were much closer in their walk with Jesus. We talked about the, you know, the charging the battery and, and hearing that you, you thought, yeah, my battery's pretty low. No condem condemnation in this room because we've all been there. If we're going to be honest, we've all gone there. And for you, more means return. Reconnect, begin again. Start over. And there could be someone here who more to you means receive. You've been thinking about it. You've been wondering about it. Talking about it. But you haven't yet crossed the line. You haven't yet asked Jesus to really forgive you of your sins and be your, be your Lord and Savior. You haven't really asked him to come into your life and committed your life to, to follow him. So for you, the next step might, and more might just look like starting that walk, beginning that journey. So for these and then everything in between these, I want to give you a minute and just talk to the Lord and, and see if his his spirit speaks into you. What, what's your next step? It may sound like just a little step. To what? It's a next step. I guess the only misstep we could make today is to not take one. So 
what I'd like to do. And I hope and if it makes you feel awkward, just don't do it. But I was wondering about just how do we end this kind of a service? How do we end our time? And, and I thought the, the best way, I think a lot of times the best way to seal something that you've, you've made in your heart with the Lord is to add some physical motion attached to it. So I'd like to just end our service and close our service in prayer, but at the altar. And if you're comfortable doing that, I'd, I'd just like to ask you to move forward. Just come and gather at the altar. I'm not going to ask you to say anything, do anything. But it's also a way of affirming something that there's a next step that, that I want to commit to the Lord. There's a next step that I, I believe would be that I'm, I'm committing to do. Because my walk with Jesus is, is important. And I don't want it to stagnate. I don't want it to be the same as it always is. I, I want it to be a growing, dynamic thing. And, and so, Lord, I'm, I'm just saying I agree. And, and this is what I'm committing to do. And I believe the Lord will honor it. And we go from here to do it, whatever it is, whatever more looks like to you. You and the Lord knows, and that's all that needs to know right now. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth. Thank you for its instruction. Thank you for its guidance. And everything your word is about is to lead us to you. Everything your word contains is to build in us your life, your character, your nature, your mind, your heart. Lord, we're serious about our walk with you. It's the most important relationship we have. You are our Lord. You are our Savior. You are our King. And it's a delight to walk with you. But Lord, we want that walk to always be growing, to always be expanding, always be deepening. We want that walk to always be um, taking on new adventures. And that was the challenge of today. And your people have heard it and their hearts have responded. So, Father, just first bless them. Whatever agreement they're making in their heart with you, you know it. And I pray you bless them in that effort. I, I pray that as they move in that direction, as they add that into their walk with you, Lord, Lord, would you just make their steps stronger and brighter and lighter? Would you show yourself more and more to them as we apply some of these disciplines into our lives it's because we love you and it's because we want to be mature sons and daughters so father would you bless our efforts we we can't produce what we want in our own lives but we can surrender to your instruction and direction and your Holy Spirit will make that transformation happen. So I thank you today. I thank you for your people. And I pray you just seal this moment now in our hearts for your glory, for our good. Dismiss us with your peace, with your joy. Thank you that your mercy and love goes with us. And Father, we just commit our steps follow hard after you each and every day of our life until Jesus comes. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. God bless you. I'm glad you're here today. Take time to greet each other before you go.